You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. A couple of us, when we first saw Mark, you're like the younger, I told you that. You kind of look like the younger version of Pastor Tony and one of the guys. I wonder if you go to uh, Czech Republic if all the men just kind of look like Tony. That's just how they look or something, like different varieties of him or something, so... No, it's, it's been good to see you all, meet you here, and, and, um, and, and maybe we can work with you all in the future on a mission trip there or something. It would be good, you know, just waiting on, the, waiting on the world to change, as Jed said last week. We're waiting, you know. We don't know what, what the answer is right now as far as travel, as far as missions go. It's, it's just uh, we hitch our wagon to international mission, missions. We've gone on many international missions, and right now it's kind of harmed us in a sense. Um, we should have immediately focused better on local than we did, and so we're we're kind of rebooting right now. It looks like and trying to see where God God's calling us to work there. But we have been working on the the uh, the book of Genesis. We're going through Genesis one through eleven. If you want to turn to Genesis one, there, um, we're going to read in that this morning again. For some of you new coming, first time coming, or just been here a week or two, I know this is a different flavor maybe than a lot of churches do somebody said something about this this week and and okay so we got two different styles of preaching if we had to break it down to two different styles i would break it down into these two we got the we got one that's more topical like week by week maybe this week we talk about marriage we talk about finances we talk about raising children we talk about you know different parables you know just taking a a a piece out here and there and kind of working on that one thing and then we have what's more what's called exegetical which is more just starting at one end of a book and working your way to the other and trying to take piece by piece as you go down through the word just trying to to speak what the word speaks when we speak what the word speaks many times the word can be quite offensive we're not used to being offended in our culture we're very we're we're soft and wimpy soft and squishy we like it soft and squishy and so when we hear things that offend us don't be offended at the messenger. Um, measure yourself against God's word. See what his word is speaking to you. Is there something I need to change in how I think? Is there something, some way that I see life that's incorrect? I've not been seeing it through God's eyes, but through men's eyes. So much of the information we take in is what other men tell us. And so we assume that they know what they're talking about. And so we try to do what they tell us to do. And largely, they're, they're fallen men. I mean, we're all fallen men, but there's more some more fallen than others and in their fallenness they tell things that may be their opinion or their idea or their whatever and they're not from god's word so we want to look at god's word and see what god's word is what what his word says bible says if the foundation be destroyed uh what can the righteous do so the righteous the righteous person he's always looking for a baseline a, a stable baseline to base his life on Many people are looking for that, but the righteous in particular, he's saved, that's a righteous person. Only a, only a saved person is a righteous person. And to be saved means you put your full trust and confidence and faith in Christ to do all the work for you. Not by works of righteousness, we read it right there, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the watching regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing that we do personally that can save us. It's all what Christ does. So we try to do better or be nicer or quit smoking or quit whatever we're doing. And we think, well, then I'm going to be a good person and God's going to do this thing in me and then I'm going to be set. And that's not the case. The only thing we bring to, the, to Christ is our sinfulness, our wickedness. That's the only thing we bring. And he, in his mercy and grace, 
comes down and touches us and saves us when we put ourselves at his mercy. So when we read God's word, a lot of times we haven't read God's word a lot. We read something, God's word, and it goes counter to what we've heard from the world. And that's so, that's exactly how it is in Genesis. If I read Genesis, I'm going to see that it's very different from what the world teaches me about everything, about creation, about the relationship between men and women, the, about evolution, about all these things that are all men-oriented, men-designed, men-brought-in, but they're not necessarily from God. So I'm going to believe what God's Word said. May God's Word be true and every man a liar. May God be true and every man a liar. I'm going to believe what God's Word says before I believe what a man says. So as we read God's Word this morning, let's try to have your mind where it's focused and true in Christ on God's Word and not what you've heard in the media or in the news or from your science teacher when you were in fifth grade. Let's read God's word and see what his word says and see if man's word contradicts God's word or the other way around. So we're going to read again Genesis 1, uh, 1 through 31. I know it's long, but we should read it again because we want to establish if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He can go back to the foundation. This is the foundation. We're building on the foundation. This is page one of the foundation. Genesis 1, 1 through 31. We're going to read the whole first chapter this morning because we're going to be finishing up that chapter. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb, the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind whose seed is in itself on the earth and it was so and the earth brought forth grass and the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind and God saw that it was good so the evening and the morning were the third day then God said let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons for days and for years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the night, the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. The evening and the morning, the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters teemed according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. The evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, 
and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, See, I've given you every herb and that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. The other word there, in, in the correct word, is exceedingly good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So um, I pray that what you hear this morning, Christians, I pray that what you hear this morning, you don't keep to yourself. A lot of times we hear things, and we're, this is so counter to what we've been taught in school and so on, that it's very difficult sometimes for us to get into conversations with people and, and speak God's word to them because we're like, well, the, you know, we've been taught since forever that there's you know, you know, evolution and the Big Bang and all these things. And then God's word says something quite different. So I don't want to get in an argument with you or with Joe Blow about this, and I don't want to look like a silly person either as I speak God's word, and then that person hears it, and they think I'm some kind of nut. But like I told you, may God be true and every man a liar. You're not going to stand, be, I'm not going to stand before Jed to be judged on that day. I'm going to stand before the Most High God, and he's going to judge each man according to his works. He's going to judge every believer. He's going to see if we're, and he's going to try us, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. And so you make sure that as you stand before God each day as you go to bed at night, as you stood before God in that day, as you acted as a believer in that day, did I speak his word in truth or was I fearful? So we went through the different days there. The first day was we just always saw was light, the separation of light from darkness. The second day, there was this firmament, the separation of the atmosphere from the earth, the inner atmosphere, the middle atmosphere, and the outer atmosphere, which includes everything as far as... as as space goes and in the day three there was the waters that was gathered together the dry land appeared and the plants and the fruiting trees uh, show up in day four we had the sun moon and stars appear and the fifth day we had the living beings in the waters and in the skies all the animals that creep upon the earth and like I said it, evolutionary theory teaches this in a different order right we have maybe plankton coming or the big bang coming or we have the sun moon and stars before light and we have a lot of things that are out of order but if we look at God's word we can see that God did some miraculous things in producing light before sun producing you know animals all at the same you know birds and fish and all these things all at the same time as the same time as whatever they're going to eat and we're going to see that they were all produced. I don't know if we're going to see it now or tonight, but we're going to see that they were all produced in such a timely way that they were all fully functioning. You didn't have to wait, you know, corn. What's corn? 120 days on corn, Zach? Is that right? So if you plant a corn kernel to get a corn ear to eat 120 days for full maturity. So, so when he puts man on the earth, so we got plants, and he puts man there, man's not sitting there waiting 120 days for a tomato because man's going to get real skinny real quick. Right away, the corn is fully mature, the tomato is fully mature, the peach is fully mature. It's all ready and functional as God speaks it into time. And it's an important thing to remember. So on day five, we see this new world introduced in the, uh, I'm sorry, this new word introduced for the first time. And, um, and uh, um, 
you know, so Jed was really talking about the, the development of the animals and everything like that and how God spoke them into being and things like that. Last week he began to speak about that. Uh, but uh, it says, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle, this is verse 24, cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth, each according to his kind. He made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, um, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. God saw it was good. i got to back up. This, I'm, I'm on the wrong verse here, sorry. That's a good verse, though. We, we could read that one again. That's good. Let's go back to 21, sorry. God created great sea creatures, every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, every winged bird, According to his kind, God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters of the sea, let the birds multiply on the earth. First time we see the word blessed, Genesis 1.22. And we're going to see it a couple times here um, between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. We're going to see it three times. And this is the first time is when it's talking about all these the birds and the fish and things like that. And he tells them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And it says he blessed them. And told them to do that. This is a thing we kind of tend to kind of move over. Like we didn't, we don't catch that word blessed. A lot of the blessings, uh, well, let's say the the principle or the uh, the principle of the value of a blessing has lost its what? It has lost its value in our time. People don't receive blessings as from God. Man would rather bless himself than receive a blessing from God, and we'll we'll look at that. I mean, is a blessing something that comes from God, or is it something I gain for myself? So according to God's word, a blessing is something that comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light, in whom there is no shadow of turning. Okay, it comes down, the blessing comes down. It's not a, you know, if it comes from a man, if a blessing comes from a man, then it's going up, right? Or it's coming from the dirt, man made of the dust of the soul. But the blessing coming down from the Father of light. So this first blessing is him blessing the fruitfulness and the multiplyingness and the ability of the birds and whatever to reproduce after their kind. He doesn't bless the plants. He doesn't bless the fruit tree. doesn't bless the earth. doesn't bless the waters. doesn't bless the ferment. He blesses the living beings. Plants are not living beings. Any vegan that tells you that a plant's a living being is sadly mistaken. So he doesn't bless, though. He only blesses living beings. So, and this is another thing, is that he speaks, not trying to get weird on you, but he speaks to the birds and the fishes, and they understand him. And we don't have to dig in this too deep. You can take that how you want, but I'm going to tell you this, that uh, Eve wasn't all that thrown off when the serpent came and spoke to her. So I don't know what the communication thing that was going on here was happening. Maybe he spoke to their spirit. Maybe they couldn't speak. Maybe they could. I don't know. But I'm telling you, if a serpent comes and starts talking to you at your house, ladies, run. It's, it's abnormal now. It may have been normal then. It may have been one of the things that threw her off. I don't know. But in this era, not so. Something's going on there. Avoid that. But the principle of blessing, that's what I really want to focus on today. And this word that comes in here, uh, we're going to just, so just keep that word blessing in mind. Even though we're going to talk about other things, we're coming back to that word blessing, okay? So there's an interesting word that comes in here between the birds and the, and the fishes here, and going into the beasts of the earth. And the word is made. So for, for the birds, the word is used create. And for the big animals, the word is made. The word create is the word bara, and the word made is the word asa. It's a different word. 
And so what's going on, it appears, Genesis one twenty one, God created great sea creatures. That word sea creatures, by the way, is the Hebrew word tannin. It could be anything from whale to sea monster to dragon to large animal. Okay, it could be a number of things. So we don't really know exactly what the critter is. Some translations call it a whale. Some say it's large sea creature, sea monsters. Uh, but it's just everything big that's in the ocean, he created all the way down to the little tiny plankton and the krill. You said krill last week. I had no idea what you were talking about. Uh, the way you, your accent was so strong, he's like, I don't even know what the word was. But uh, I wasn't sure what your, I, when you said whale and krill, I was like, is he talking about the little tiny things that the whales eat? You know, I don't know, I don't know what you're saying there, but I got it now, brother. I'm sorry. But everything, it was all created at one time. It was not stair-step created. God spoke it into existence in creation, but with the big animals, it says, he made them, and with man, it says, let us make man. It's a different word. He doesn't say, let us create man. Well, how does that work? Uh, the, the creative part was already done. The miracle was already produced. The, all the DNA is there. He can, all the structural things, all the molecules are there. It's all there. All he has to do is form it into this critter, that critter. If you think about most, most animals, I'm not saying, I, I do not want you to think at all that I believe that there's any kind of evolution between kind. There is not. Never has been. They can't find it in the fossil record, any kind of thing that's half lizard, half, you know, buffalo or whatever. You, there's nothing like that exists. There is nothing, there is no transition animal anywhere in the fossil record. But God has a good idea. He has a good plan. He has a good thing going here he's like you know cats do pretty good on four legs i'm thinking i'm gonna put four legs on dogs you know ostriches do pretty good on two legs i'm gonna put two legs on a chicken and whatever he's already got the components and he modifies them he makes them into different things he's got the components he can make them we would do no differently the components in a watch or a cell phone could be similar components on a larger scale that you could make a car of it's the same thing if you got active workable functional parts if you're making it into a, a, you know, a tiny, those little tiny earpieces that you guys uh, listen to music in, or to a cell phone or to a cell tower, the components are just expanded on a larger scale and able to be used. And that's where this word comes in. It's just kind of an interesting thing that we should catch there, how God does what he does. I'm coming back to blessed here. It says that God blessed the birds and the sea creatures, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. They were all to be fruitful and multiplying. And in this, I want to say, how many people got a dog in the house? Dog or cat in the house? A lot of people. How many people got a dog and cat in the yard? How many people got a goat? How many people got eight goats? <laughs> how many people got a horse? How many people got a, what's that little thing the old strangers got? What's that? It's not a gerbil. Guinea pig. How many people got a guinea pig? Where's Mila at? Mila would be doing jumping jacks. She loves her guinea pig. Why do people have animals it says right here why because god told them to take dominion over them does god love animals is there animals in heaven a lot of people ask this question especially when they have a, a favorite pet or whatever they 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 ask the question well will you know snoopy be in heaven poor snoopy we had that dog for 10 years he he never he never got the love he should have got he's a good dog he smelled really bad will snoopy be in heaven so um maybe i don't know does god love animals yes did god create animals yes is there animals in heaven? Well, we can see Christ returning on a horse. He doesn't go down to whatever Joe's horse corral and pick out a horse. He rides it down 
He comes down on a horse. The horses in Ezekiel and Zechariah and Revelation all are, they're supernatural in being. The supernatural animal slash beings that we see in Ezekiel, uh, we see them in Isaiah, we see them in Revelation, all those come down. So I don't know, but does God love animals? Yes. Does he love them as much as humans? I don't know. He loves his creative nature. He has a different kind of love than we have. Let me tell you this. If you want to look in the Bible, there's quite a few verses about God's care for animals. I'll give you just a couple. One is Jonah 4.11. At the end of the story of Jonah, Jonah's kind of lamenting that God didn't just destroy uh, Nineveh, right? But at the end of the story, God is telling Jonah that he has mercy. One reason he had mercy on Nineveh was because there was 120,000 people that didn't know the right hand from the left. So that's either millie handicapped people or little babies, right? And he said, plus all the livestock. Well, Jonah wasn't worried about the livestock in Nineveh. If God burns Nineveh up, does he care about the livestock? No. But God cared. Um, in Job, uh, Job 38, 41, it says, who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? Who's saying that? Is that Job or is that God? God's saying that. Jonah, you don't, or Job, you don't care about the ravens. I do. I don't like crows myself. I shoot as many as I can because they're devilish. They eat all my corn. But God cares about them. And not only that, if you read Job chapter 39, I dare you, go back and read it. And the whole chapter is about God saying to Jonah, Jonah, do you care about the, the zebra where he has his young? Do you care about the deer where he has his young? Do you care about what I feed the lions when they have their young? Do you worry about the lions when they roar at night because of, out of hunger? Do you care about these animals and that animals as they, as they live in the weather, in the, in the different weather environments they have to live in? Do you care about them? Do you even think about them? But I do. And so does God care about animals? Yes. Matthew 6, 26, Jesus speaking, he says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value? Are you not of more value than they? Or Matthew 10, 29, uh, Matthew, or, uh, Jesus speaking about, the, are the two sparrows not sold for a copper coin? Yet not one falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. God is completely aware, think about that when you're out dove shooting, uh, of every bird that falls to the ground. <laughs> That's me, I'm guilty. I shot a lot this week. They were, they were delicious. But God is concerned about the welfare of his animals. He's concerned about things that we're not concerned with. When God, it's kind of hard for us to grasp. We're so, our, our vision of everything is so small and pointed at ourself. And so when man tries to be God, it's why we fail so bad. You know, we sang that song as children, you know. Uh, oh, heck, I can't remember the song about uh, what God created. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the, the cows and the elephants too or whatever. Our God is so big and mighty, there's nothing our God cannot do. can't remember how the song goes, but it's something like that. It, we, we sing that, but we don't think that way. God is concerned with all of creation, including you. God is concerned with all of creation, including the animals, including the landscape, including the waters and all those things. So it's a big deal to be part of this blessing. I just want you to see this blessing today. And what this blessing involves, it involves fructification, fruit, fruitifying, being fruitful and multiplying. That's what it involves. And we don't see that as a blessing, but God does. God prepared all these different assorted land animals for different functions. Some of them are wild animals. Some of them, what's sad, I always liked, me and Isaac, we were in, we were in Peru and they had this leopard. And there was no, there was literally this much 
space between us and the leopard, and there was a little fence. And Isaac was kind of messing around with, with a little twig, and that thing was like laying on the ground asleep. And one half of an eye blink, that thing jumped up and dang near got Isaac through this fence. There was just like some bars about this far apart, you know, and he was messing around with it with a twig trying to get it to move, and it just was like, you know. But we both, it was beautiful. We both wanted, it was a jaguar, right? Or I don't remember. What. It was some kind of wild cat that was about this tall and about that long and was just teeth and claws, man, and solid muscle. And we both were like, oh, man, I would love to have, I mean, can you imagine walking into Walmart, that thing on a leash? I mean, you're front of the line every day, right? You're, you're the man. It was beautiful. Its fur was beautiful. It was stunning. We're both like, you pet it. No, you pet it. You know, we, we want to, but we cannot control it. Some of the animals now are uncontrollable. Will not be so in the heavens. Because we see when Christ returns, the lion lays down with the lamb. The wolf and the baby play with each other. The baby sits by the viper's hole. It's not bitten. But for now, different animals, different purposes. Some for food, some for clothing, some for work. Although we don't work horses like we used to or cattle like we used to. You know, the sheep and its fur. The, the dogs, all the things that a dog is capable of to herd cattle, to you know, guard your house, guard your family. Or just you know, that we enjoy them. All those things. Um, they're all fully functional. When God created them, they were instantly fully functional and capable and able. And we see that at the time of the flood that God puts enmity, the Bible says, between man and animals. Up until then, everything was fine. But at the time of the flood, so that's one reason we know we would believe that it would have been easier for Noah to get all those critters on the ark than it would be for us. He doesn't have to catch them. He's friend to animals. But now, it's not, that's not the case. So, so the way they're described is not like a big, I think the word is taxonomy. I believe that's the word. It's not like the big taxonomy map we used to see when we were kids. And you know, at the very top, there'd be like an amoeba, and then there was like a flea, and then the flea turns into a roach, and the roach turns into a mouse, and the mouse turns into a rat. The rat turns into a beaver, which turns into a porcupine, which turns into a pig, which turns into a horse, and whatever. And then man, some offshoot over here of monkeys, right? That's not how it was. All at once, God's like, animals, and they're there. And they're all fully functional and fully capable. And then, uh, so he created them all at the same time on the sixth day. And this is what we really want to get to today, the next blessing. So the first blessing is God builds into animals the ability to reproduce after their own kind. To be fruitful, which is to have more than one. If I had a grapevine and it had one stinking grape on it, I'd be a little disappointed. It's designed to be fruitful and be filled with fruit. Again, uh, so here we go, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our, our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. See that word? And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over it. You ever wonder, this has always threw me off here for years, is in February where you people that live here in Crossville, grew up here in Crossville or have been here a long time, you know that you don't dare put a plant in the ground for about May 1st right? You think like April 15th this year I'll get away with it. No, sir. 
I promise you about April 25th, there'll be a killing frost that'll kill everything you got. You'll have corn that tall, and then it'll be brown little sticks that you'll be replanting in that row because that frost will get every year. But every year in like February, we'll have that one day, and it'll get up to like 72, and the sun will be shining, and the birds are tweeting, and the whole world runs down to Lowe's and starts buying plants. Right? I mean, you can't get in there. 87 thousand old people fighting each other over some marigolds and if you put them in the garden that thing is dead in a week but they got to have it what is in us that makes us desire to plant plants what is in us to make myla love that guinea pig she carried that thing around it was kind of like a weapon because she got the weapon in pointed out you know but she's like carrying it around everywhere she loves that thing. What makes you have a dog or a cat or chickens or any of those things that serve you? You don't see it as serving you, but they do. They serve you. They serve you by their how they look because you enjoy how they look, what they produce in eggs or in, in fur or in love or whatever it is that they produce. In all those things, what is in you that makes you have a... Did you ever think about that? That makes you have a desire to have chickens or a pig, even though you're going to murder him later. Or whatever what put in you that desire God did it, right here in Genesis let them have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds there how many people have come to my house in the last year hey can we go fishing soon as about February 27th they show up over there wanting to fish those fish are under the ice layer still you know you gotta like break a hole to fish in what made us want to do that because God put in men he put it in us to have dominion over the fish, to have dominion over the plants, to have dominion over fruit trees, to want to grow them, to want us to pick blueberry. Every little kid, they come over there in those blueberry bushes, they just destroy them. Why? What's in us that we want to see it on there and then, and then it would just be a part of it by eating it or touching it or whatever? God put it in us. He put it in right there. God himself put into man's essential being to take dominion over all the earth, all of it, all the animals, all the plants. It's, it's truly, I mean, and this is tough, it's truly unbiblical for you to not take dominion over the things that God provided you to take dominion over. You know, you're saying, well, I don't, I don't really like the garden. Well, sorry, he made you a gardener. I don't really like these things. He said, take dominion over all these, all of it. On the earth, below the earth, and above the earth. The things that he put in the soil, in the ground, the seeds that's in there, the weed seeds and the positive seeds, the, the minerals, the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the iron, the copper, all that stuff is in the earth, that's on the earth, on the surface, and above the earth. All that's ours. It's not wrong for us to take dominion over the birds, to take one and however you <laughs> accumulate it, and to eat it. He gave you dominion over that. He didn't give us permission to eat them until after the flood, but before the flood, no. But even in that, if Adam could have harnessed the power of those birds to do one thing or another, it was completely his to do that with. God gave them two men to do that with. And in the blessing, this is, this is the part. This, is gonna, this may offend you. Don't be offended. I'm not trying to be offensive. Just hear me out and see if God's word is correct. How about that? It says, so God created man in his own image. Verse 28, then God blessed them, here's the blessing, saying to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. 
God gave us the blessing. This is incredible. God gave us the blessing of making our own inheritance. You never saw that before. He gave Jed Smith, I'm going to start with Dale Brown. He gave Dale Brown the ability to make his own nation from himself. Every single person on earth. And he told us to do it. Do we see our offspring as a blessing from God? Jacob, let me read, uh, Psalm 127, let me read that to you. That's, you know that one. The quiverful, some people have taken and abused that, that scripture maybe, but we're going to read it anyway. There was a group called the quiverful, and they you know, keep the woman chained to the stove, barefoot and pregnant, and so on. But th they use this verse as their thing. But look what it says, Psalm 127, verse 3. <clears throat> it says, Behold, children are a heritage. They're an inheritance. Those are your inheritance. Zach, believe it or not, Abby and Maggie are, that's your inheritance. From the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Somehow about 50 to 100 years ago, we were told that large numbers of children would be more of a curse than a blessing because they inhibited our, our freedom to travel or our freedom to, you know, whatever, do more work or have a better house or whatever. And uh, many of us believed it. And the incitement of that, that, that false teaching or whatever, made us um, to have less kids. So you go from pre-World War II and in the birth control pill there in the, in the late 60s, or mid-60s, uh, 64 I think, um, somewhere right in there, and you see people being told that having one or no children is a better blessing than having seven to eight kids. I know some of that one family here. What, how many brothers and sisters you guys had, Karen? Or uh, uh, Margaret? eight the blessing is every family i've ever met that had a whole bunch of kids like that they always like kind of talk about their mom and dad with pride oh there was eight of us mom and dad they worked like dogs to feed all they're like a pack of wolves and they just throw the food in the yard we fought over whatever but they're always like very close and and working it out you know there's something about a large family and the blessing in that i know a lot of you guys have three four or five kids and that's good that's a good that's a blessing from god um, so to not have kids, the opposite would be, would be a curse, right? To not have an inheritance. And you can produce your own inheritance. That's what he, he makes it an unlimited inheritance. As long as you're alive and you keep producing kids, you're making a greater inheritance for yourself. This, the only story I can tell you, maybe one or two of some older people, one man in particular, he never got married and he never had any kids. And on his deathbed, that was one sad man. And he specifically said, I don't have anyone to pass my name on to and nobody care, will remember me when I'm gone. And he's right. He had his chance to have an inheritance, and he chose not to, to take it. I got this wealth over here, this big pile of gold coins over here. No, they're big in ingots, and they're real heavy. But I don't, you know, you have the option to come pick it up and take it with you, or you can say, well, it's really heavy. You know, maybe it'll be here later when I come back for it. Somebody's grabbing the ingot. It's there a burden for a time, but the inheritance, it comes down the road. Everything's that way. Every investment is that way. You don't make the money on the front of the investment. You make it on the end. So before, I'm not trying to judge you and how many kids you got or anything like that. I mean, my wife and I, we only had three kids. We should have had more. Uh, we started late. There's no excuse. We should have had more. But, uh, but God designed in every man 
to make his own inheritance. And the investment you make now, it pays off down here. It says in Job 42.12, it says, The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. He also had seven more sons and three more daughters. So he had a total of 20 children, 10 of which died. Then Jacob, the father of Joseph, he had 12 sons, and it says that he concluded his life with 70 descendants. So of 12 sons, he had the rest were grandkids. I would do the math, but I embarrassed myself. What, 58 grandkids, right? He had 58 grandkids and great-grandkids. And maybe even great greats. I don't know. He had a bunch. The blessing, of the, uh, the blessing given to him by God was to make his own inheritance. And God cared for him in his inheritance. God's creative plan was to, to do this through each person. And there's, there's more to the story here. We'll see. But God calls it a blessing. Somehow we got hoodooed over time and we didn't see having more kids as a blessing or having children period as a blessing or the fact that any person can have his own nation his own kingdom people with himself as the head we, we didn't see that as a blessing but god says with adam he says be fruitful multiply fill the earth so that doesn't mean that all 70 kids have to live in one house they can move away that's the goal move out get your own farm grow your own corn Make your own tomatoes. Have your own kids. And each one of those, that's a, a subnation. And the goal is that every father would train his children to be raised in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And then this, this kingdom building would more and more generationally, just like he said, would generationally build on, uh, build people back into the kingdom. That's a great, uh, a great word um, Mark had of uh, now we're baptizing the second generation. That's the goal. If it was, um, we've talked about that. If, if just getting saved was all there was, then at the moment of baptism, we just hold you under until the bubbles quit and you go on to glory. The goal is to take that person, develop them in the, in the name of God for them to produce other people like them to grow the kingdom. And we can do that. So we need to, uh, one thing that I hear people say a lot is, uh, you know, I tell my kids, you know, wait till you're about 30, go have your fun. What? Build the kingdom. Start building the kingdom. We've made all these other things more important than, than kingdom building. And it says the fruit of the womb is a reward. So encourage your children even in, in speaking things like this to them. And I know you're like, Dale's, he's kind of a strange guy. He thinks differently. Read God's word and tell me what it says. If it says something else, then, then you know, call me a heretic and we'll work on it. But if this is what it says, then work on building the kingdom. Um, yeah, we might have missed out on... Uh, uh, nation building beginning with ourselves you know generational believers so the ability of men and animals to reproduce after their own kind is the blessing what what's you know what's the best gift someone could give to you that you would consider a very generous gift you know god says the very best gift that i can give to you is for you to be able to make another little one of you and you can develop that little person into a God-loving person who will in turn make another little person that will somewhat look like you and also look like them that will also love God. And in that person, third and fourth and tenth and fiftieth and two hundredth generation, my great-grandfather on my dad's side was a Methodist preacher. He came out of Germany uh, before World War I because he saw the writing on the wall and moved to Kansas. His wife 
uh, and him were, were both Christians. I believe, I would say that all of their kids were saved. I wouldn't say that they were all like the most godliest people ever and they were all pastors or anything. But of their kids, a number of them either became, uh, sorry, not their kids, but their grandkids. A number of their grandkids, he came 1907. A number of their grandkids, who are now in their 80s, were either pastors, married to pastors, but a majority of the grandkids were saved. I would say all, if not a majority of the grandkids were saved. Of the great grandkids, which is my which is uh, my generation, I would say a vast majority, probably 95%, are saved in one ministry or another and living as Christians today. Of the great great grandkids, my kids, the same could be said. From one guy that was fruitful and multiplied and filled the earth. Some of them still live in Kansas. Some of them live in Tennessee. That would be me and my kids. Some of them live in Oregon. Some of them live in Washington. They be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. They spread out. You can't keep the little pod of Christians. It's the same old thing. You can't keep all the seed in the silo. You got to spread the seed. The seed doesn't grow inside the silo. It just rots and, uh, and becomes fodder. You got to spread the seed. So anyway, so it's a curse to not have children, according to God's word, though we have been told something different in our culture, and it's a blessing to have children. So see your children as a blessing. And remember, it's an inheritance. Inheritances don't pay off. Or, uh, I mean, it's an investment is what I mean to say, but they don't pay off till in the future. It's hard. Whitney and, and, um, and Jed up here with the two little fellows, you know, they're, they're tired. They want to sleep through the night. Too bad. Down the road, you'll get to. You'll get to. Right now is the investment side. You're still investing. Just keep pouring the feed to them. They'll get bigger, and then they'll let you sleep. Um, so look, so, but, but I mean, thinking about my grandfather, think about the potential investment or the potential influence of God-fearing man who believes this to t be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion over it. Think about the influence that that kind of man or woman can have on this earth. He can take dominion over it. He can move around as part of the blessing, flexibility to live wherever you want. Um, he can work in the earth. He can mine it for its riches. He can grow crops above it. He can travel through the air now if he so chooses. Um, in his multiplied offspring, he can introduce them individually to the Creator, their Heavenly Father. He could potentially create a nation of people with like and lasting values that are just like his own if he so chooses. But you're going to have to invest. It's going to take some effort. Any investment is, I mean, I know Zach's just finished building a little trailer out. It's taken time. He got the trailer a year and a half ago. It doesn't happen overnight. But now it's ready for the payoff. It takes time to establish it and put the foundation under it and put the air conditioner to it and put the water and the electric and the roof on it, fix the side thing where the whole side was missing. So it takes time, but then the investment pays off down the road. You've got to put the time in. So uh, the man can be filled with the food from the earth. I, I really like this chapter, or verse 29. It says, God said, see, just think about this. Here's God creator of all he's created all this stuff he's got it completely prepared and ready and now he's like let's make man in our image we'll have somebody to take dominion over all this and handle it and so he goes um to to that to that adam figure and he says he says, come here adam let me he says see uh i've given you every herb see all these plants and everything that yield seed gave it all to you this is how it works the seed's going to fall on the ground it's going to die it's going to get some moisture on it's going to start to grow it's going to grow to a point it's going to put on a little fruit and then the fruit's going to mature and on the fruit is going to be seeds where it can do it again Adam, okay that's good 
And then all these birds and stuff, these are all belong to you. You do whatever you want with them. But if it was me, I would name this one, you know, whatever, a duck. And then, <laughs> you know, he, named, he names all this. So he tells them what to do with the creation. He's excited about what he's produced, and he takes Adam. It's just such a personal thing. And God said, see, I have given you. He's talking to Adam. He's talking to a man. But he's talking to you, too. Because God's word doesn't change. And he's saying, see, whoever's here today, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree which fruit, whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. And also every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life. Everything that has life, I've given all this vegetation for them for food. And it was so. And when he got done, the evening and the morning, the sixth day, he was exceedingly, he saw it as exceedingly good. He's like, man, look what I did. I made man, I made all this, and I placed fully functioning man in the middle of it, and I showed him how to use it. And we still, we can still figure that out. We got the book. We have the Holy Spirit. We have preaching, some better than others. We have ability to discover what God's word says and what it means. We have all those things. So ultimately, the last thing, the last blessing, and we won't spend a whole lot of time on this because uh, we have just recently, but the last blessing is Genesis 1, 31 through 2, 2. It says, God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. The evening and the morning, the sixth day, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So he blessed the seventh day. He blessed fruitful and multiply, and he blessed the seventh day. He blessed it with animals, blessed it with humans, and now he blesses the seventh day. These three blessings are very important to God. They should be very important to us. We rest on the seventh day, and in that day of rest, we recognize the creator who created all things. We give him the glory for his provision of all things. We're going to talk about his provision tonight, but think about everything that was put in place so that you can live and breathe and have your being every day. Look for God's provision in everything. So some people have a lot of problem with what God's word has to say about what they should do or what they should wear or how they should look or, or what day they should worship or what crime they can commit and get away with and what they can't. And they just see God's word as a bunch of rules to live by or the Ten Commandments or one thing or another. But what they fail to see is that God made provision for all men of all time everywhere whether they love him or hate him, to be provided for from the ground and from animals. And he did it all, knowing that many men would reject him in that. But just because we reject his great provision doesn't mean we haven't benefited from it in one way or another. Um, so how dare we consider it an option to not be obedient to so great a creator who did all these things for us and gave us a system to operate within, um, we should be more diligent in honoring him, worshiping him, seeking his face, being obedient to him, um, and all those things. We, we really are, we're really glib sometimes with how we handle God's word and how descriptive it is and what it, what it tells us we should and shouldn't do. We don't like the rules part, but we sure like the blessing part. So, so if I can give you something this week to work on, it would be this. Go back and discover what God says are blessings. Because a lot of times what God says are blessings over time, we've, con we've confused those and thought they were curses, tragically. And we've been confused by men who have told us things that aren't true about God. 
This morning, as we've studied God's Word together, we've read His Word together, and we've thought about His Word together, maybe we can take a moment and pray together. And I do want to give the option of those that have come and heard the Word this morning, that if they, if you're here without Christ, you can enjoy God's blessings now, but in eternity, you're going to be separated from Him. And so it's very important that today be the day of your salvation. While you're still here, while you still have time, while you've just heard how good, how great God is, all that he's produced, all that he saw, all that he thought out and designed with the idea of the provision of man in mind. Think about that. Everything he did, he did it with the provision of man in mind. That's an amazing thing. So I want you to think about that. And uh, we'll pray together now and, and, um, and eat together. May the word that was spoken today be a word that sinks down into your heart and it softens your heart, it convicts your spirit, and you go and tell others about the truth that you know that you've heard today, okay? Father, this morning we're so grateful for your word and we're so grateful for these that have come, Lord, and grateful for this place. Lord, we're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for the gifts of all the things that you've provided for us since, since the creation. We're thankful, Lord, for the food that comes from the earth. We're thankful for the animals that you've provided us that we, the ones that we love, the ones that we care for, and the ones that care for us. Father, we're grateful for the image of God that's created in every man, Lord. I pray for those that are in our, in our culture now that gnash their teeth and blaspheme your name, Lord. I pray that today that their eyes could be open to your creation, that they allow your, your book of nature, so to speak, to speak to them that there must be a God, there must be a creator, and that today could be the day of their salvation. Lord, that they would reject you not a moment more. Father, have mercy on us for, for not being obedient in the different things. But, Father, today, turn our hearts back towards you. Make us into kingdom people that develop other kingdom people. Give us a desire to train up our children and to draw them to you, to drive them to you, whatever it takes, Lord, to show them your goodness and your mercy on us. And Father, we're grateful again for this place and the opportunity and the, and the in the time that you have given us. Not only did you create light, but you created time, and you appointed a time for us to meet together with you. We're grateful for this time now, Lord. We thank you all for your goodness. Thank you for the food and the hands that prepared it today, Lord. Thank you for this time of fellowship we have. We give all this time, this service, and everything to you for your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we do have a nice, a nice meal of pizza. You may not think pizza's nice, but this one little fellow right here, remind me, it's Brandon, right? Bradley? Brandon. Brandon came up, he's like, we're having pizza? That's my favorite pizza, man. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward through that door. So I, we got plenty of food. Come and, and stay and eat with us. And uh, come talk to me if you'd like to talk about Christ or, you know, redemption or whatever. I'm, I'm here for you. God bless you all. Tonight at 6.